Um, this is a subject, I'm just going to turn up what, it's, what we're talking on, make sure I know what we're talking about. Um, how the principles of prayer married to the Great Commission result in quantifiable, qualitative, observable breakthrough. No, prob no pressure. Yeah, a marriage, I said, that is made in heaven. Uh, and I think our movement could be very significantly changed if you and I were to put even if some of what we're going to try and share, which is very much from our heart, into practice. I believe what a man is, what a woman is on their knees is what a man is. And we just heard a wonderful message from Steve about faithfulness. And we need, at a time in which we're living, brothers and sisters to be faithful in prayer. And so we're going to share something of our story, something of our weaknesses. I, I, I want you to know uh, I, I, I could list more failures than successes in this area. I want you to know that when I first went to uh, prayer and fasting, when I was a young man, uh, with Terry Virgo used to insist we had two days of fasting, um, and then we'd finish with a meal, which was always oh, look forward to. But on the last session of the last day, um, where he'd be saying, right, intercede for India or whatever it was, I was kneeling on my seat, pretending as best I could that I was praying, but just wanting to fall asleep. Just mumbling Mars bars, Mars bars, chocolate dips, and chocolate dips, Rolos, Rolos. Pretending I was just praying, but I wasn't. I was just, just trying to get through another hour, a lot of praying. I, I, and I used to look at these people, how on earth do they do this? Um, so we've learned um, by actually sitting with others and learning from our mothers and fathers about the in importance of prayer. And the two questions that uh, I think I wanted to, or we're going to look at, is why we must pray, and then how do we pray? And the why is the intimacy question that has come up already right through this conference. See, I've been married to Heather this year 40 years. Before that, we had five years of courtship, so we've known each other for 45 years. And there is no one that I'm most looking forward to spending time with this weekend than my wife. There is no person that I want to chat with, have a coffee with, walk hand in hand through the new forest with, go shopping with, bake our meals with than my wife. Because we've been together for 45 years. She's my best friend. She's someone who is just my life. Now, if you put a f camera, a spy camera in our house to watch us, and you saw Heather get up and say to me in the morning, Guy, do this, do this, do this, go shopping, clean the bathroom, and make sure you mow the lawn. And then we didn't speak for the whole of the day. You would... I think rightly conclude there's something not right about this relationship. And intimacy is why we pray. John 1.18 says, No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, the breast, the bosom of the Father, over the heart of our God, and Jesus has made him known. Prayer is about knowing God, our Father, and about our being known, thy kingdom come. It is not a ritual. 
It's not a list. We're not praying to arm bend Almighty God to our own ends. It is not vain repetition or a slot machine that sometimes you hear that if you put enough coins in and pull the handle enough, you're going to suddenly win the, the jackpot. It is about him. It is about leaning on his breast. It is about listening to the heartbeat of God Almighty, the creator of all the universe who's made himself known through Jesus Christ and hearing that I love you, I love you, I love you. And out of that intimacy, we then pray. We then delight ourselves in God. We then cry out for mercy on people that are lost. It's out of intimacy that our lives are changed and we learn how to pray. Andrew Wilson, when he spoke on a West Point platform, he said, we're all on theological horses and it's very easy to slip one side of the horse or another, you know, whether it's Arminianism and Calvinism, whether it's men and women, whether it's grace and law. It's very easy to sort of suddenly get a bit of an emphasis and slide one way. And I think with prayer and mission, it's the same deal. I think some people think, well, if we're praying and the church has prayer meetings, then it, it doesn't really matter about the loss because it's all about Jesus, it's all about worship. But I want to say that I believe the closer you get to Jesus, the more intimate you hear his heart, you realize how much he loves this world, how much he loves the lost, and how much he's commissioning us to go and serve them and care for them and declare Jesus Christ to them. So the, these two things belong together, prayer and mission. So then how do we pray? What is the model of, how, how does Jesus teach his disciples to pray? Sorry, you heard that. Get rid of your stuff. It's in the way. For some reason, we both bought our biggest Bibles today, which take up all the room on the lectern. Um, yeah, I mean, I know Guy's done lots of introduction already, but this sort of seminar is the kind of seminar I would have avoided like the plague um, for many, many years of my Christian life because I wanted to get better, if there is a way of doing that, get better at praying. And if I went to a session like this, I kind of thought that it would just expose how appallingly bad I was at what I considered a spiritual discipline of prayer. Um, and I think as well, you can come to something like this a bit like going to a lecture on food, nutrition and dieting. Um, I just want the golden bullet. I want to know exactly how to do it. And from this time on, my prayer life will be transformed. And I'm sure most of you know it doesn't work like that. It, it ebbs and flows. You have good days and bad days. You have days when you feel like you're making a breakthrough in prayer. You have other days where you think, crumbs, I haven't even really consciously thought about Jesus at all hardly today. And you can feel really, really bad about that. So all of those bad things, we've felt them too. Um, and again, one of those things that I think about dieting, for example, is that, that there is one way of doing it, and if you stick with that, you'll be fine. But in my experience, anything that I have to stick to rigidly all of the time becomes quite quickly very boring and loses its soul. And prayer, again, to me, is like that. But I also take great courage in the fact that Jesus' disciples 
who probably didn't realize it, but they were kind of praying all the time because they were with him for three years. So they were conversing with him and he was conversing with them, which is ultimately what prayer is. They still came to Jesus and asked him to teach them how to pray. And I find that quite comforting because they obviously thought, again, there was an incredible way of doing it. They watched Jesus' life. They saw the miracles they, he did. They saw that he spent time with the Father over big chunks of time. And they must have thought, teach us how to do that. And Jesus does this incredible Lord's Prayer, which again, I learned as a child and we did it at school and we kind of did it most days in assembly at school. So it becomes one of those things that you can recite so, so easily, but the impact of it doesn't strike you in the heart. And we're just using this as an example. This is one of the many, many things that we do to keep variety in the way that we pray, but just to quickly look at the Lord's Prayer. And J.D. Greer has written a wonderful book about prayer, which I should have brought the title with me, which I haven't, but it's got prayer in the title. Um, He talks about using the Lord's Prayer and riffing off the Lord's Prayer. So you can take two minutes to pray the Lord's Prayer out loud, and it can be meaningful, or you can take an hour reading through the Lord's Prayer and using one of the phrases or just one part of it to go off and spend time with God and pray through things and actually you're still using this as a guide to your prayers so I will just read it first even though I know you know it as well as I do our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us today our daily bread Forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And we've done this uh, slide, if you want to look at it, with a series of P's. I'm just going to very quickly go through them. P for praise, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You can stay on that little phrase for a very, very long time. You don't have to just pray out loud. You might just sing in worship to God. You're just praising God. You're expressing your heart of love towards him for all he has done. You're reminding yourself that he is your father and your relationship with him. Purpose. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I loved Steve's talk this morning about faithfulness. And there is a sense in which thinking about our purpose you might be doing something incredibly mundane in a day. You might be looking after a toddler. You might, be, you might be working in a care home. You might be working in a supermarket. I don't know. You might be faithfully leading a church. But God has a purpose for you in what you're doing in any given day. And he wants you to bring that sense of, I want to use my life for purpose today. I want you to live through me, to extend your kingdom through me in some small way today. Provision, give us this day our daily bread. We need to remind ourselves that everything we have, not just our food, the clothes on our back, the air we breathe, the holidays that we have, the homes that we enjoy living in, are gifts from God. They are provisions from him. And to develop that thankful spirit, if you every day thought of 10 things to thank God for in that day, I guarantee it would change the way you think and feel. 
if you're feeling really grumpy and bagged up and angry and upset about something, to just pause for a minute and think of 10 good things to thank God for. It changes the way you feel and the way you react. Then we've got penance. Just at this point, Howard and Holly have written a book on confession. Can I encourage you to read it? I sometimes think it's a neglected area of our lives. To think through the day, or think through yesterday if you're doing it first thing in the morning, and think of the places where you need to ask God to forgive you for the way you reacted. I smile sometimes. I can be worshipping God in the car, singing in tongues and singing along to a worship tape, and then somebody cuts in front of me, and I immediately turn, what the heck do you think you're doing? For goodness sake, I speak it out. And you think, Lord, help me to quickly deal with things. Help me to have a clean account before you on a day-to-day basis, confession. And the last P is protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We have an enemy, so be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around you like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Andrew Shaw was brilliant yesterday talking about um, the battle in the heavenly realms. And this prayer just reminds us again, Lord, protect me from the wiles of the enemy. Help me to notice when he's whispering in my ear. Do you never know when he's doing that to you? You find your mind going off in a place that you never thought it should. And you think, no, I need to pray. God, protect me from the wiles of the enemy. He wants to take me out, but you want to do me good. Now, this session is not just about you listening to us, as exciting and riveting as that would be. We want you now to get into pairs. You have 10 to 15 minutes, and we want you to look at the Lord's Prayer. We'll keep this slide up. You might want to just take one bit of it and pray with another person that particular bit together, or you might want to take each point and pray two minutes on each point, alternately maybe. We're going to leave you to be creative how you do it, but we want you to use the Lord's Prayer now in the next 10 minutes to pray with another individual next to you. Lord Jesus, I I just thank you that you've given us such a wonderful prayer to learn from and use in every life circumstance, good ones when we're really walking the walk and talking the talk and we feel like everything is smiling on us. And when we're in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, Lord, there's a, a wonderful prayer that we can turn to that restores our souls and reminds us of this wonderful truth that we're your children and that you are working your purposes out, and that the enemy, with all his wicked schemes and and, and plans, Lord, cannot touch us, because, Lord, we have this shield of faith. We have the one who arms us as we pray. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. And I pray, Lord, that just as we've enjoyed the hubbub of prayer, that Lord, this will become part of our daily routine in just turning aside. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to say that I think prayer, I think for me, one of the big lessons in the last, I don't know, five or six years has been turn quickly to prayer. Um, so, you know, in pastoral ministry, someone comes up to you, they list their crises and they start listing all the problems. Can we just pray? Come quickly to prayer. 
because I think otherwise you can quickly become the guru, you can quickly become the expert. I know how to sort this out, but actually they need to be convinced you're listening to your Father in heaven for his wisdom, which he promises to give. The, se- the second area I want to look at just now is the rule or the discipline of prayer. And when I use the word rule or discipline, I know most of us, it puts our hackles up. But actually, we do have disciplines in our life. Think mealtimes, and no one re- regrets or resents the fact you have breakfast, you have lunch, you have dinner. Oh, no, not that again. Another discipline in my life. We love it. Um, and I'm a gardener, and I love my garden. And I love climbers. I love climbing roses. I love um, wisteria. Uh, I, I, I've got um, all kinds of climbers in the garden. And what they all have in common is they need structure. Uh, to plant it is very easy. You plant a wisteria very easily, and it, you put it on a pole, within a year it'll be pulling that thing over. Uh, and a clematis, clematis montana. I mean, within two years, that thing is just huge and can take tiles off your house and pull your bricks out. So they need a structure. And I think prayer needs a structure. I love the quote, desire without discipline derails good intentions. Desire without discipline derails good intentions. Now, I don't need to tell you that in the real world. We've all come to the New Year's day. Right, this year, this year I'm going to get super fit. This year I'm going to lose a few pounds. This year I'm going to evangelize like I've never done before. I was at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium three weeks ago watching a game of football. And one of our players, uh, a guy called Sun, uh, hasn't been playing very well. And I was in the Tottenham end, and the person who was very large in front of me could not stop yelling about how bad Sun was playing. Oh, you lazy, lazy! Go on, put some effort in, put some effort I could have scored that. It was, it was getting so on my nerves. And I was thinking, it is so easy. To, to, to think, I can easily do that. But you don't realize that actually these, these footballers are such a wonderful athletes, so honed in their training, so devoted in their... And yet we can look at it and think, I could do that. And prayer, prayer just to say that prayer, without some discipline... You never get anywhere. You can come to this and you can think, I'm going to change. I'm going to get up tomorrow morning, 6 o'clock. I'm going to do what Guy and Heather were talking about. It just doesn't work. You need some discipline around our lives. Um, Galatians 5.26, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So in other words, I'm arguing for not feel like it Christianity which is what I believe is, is, is affecting our churches so badly at the moment. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like giving. I don't feel like reading my Bible, as if that's got something to do with it. And I think that what I want to encourage you is the routine as leaders. Can I say this? Routine, your routine in prayer will lead to the restoration and revival of your church. It will. What you are on your knees is what you are. And it was a young man in AD 530 called St. Benedict who retreated from the world as he saw the world crashing around him and he devoted himself to prayer. He wrote a slim book called The Rule of Life where he 
developed eight times a day, and they've all got clever names, I won't repeat them, uh, in terms of a prayer, a life of prayer. Now, praise God for the Holy Club of Wesley and Whitfield, who knew their Bibles and went to Psalm 55, uh, verses 16 and 17, where it says this, I call, but I call to God, and the Lord saves me, evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in my distress, and he hears my prayer. I love that. So three times a day. So, <laughs> thanks, St. Benedict. Actually, three is three's enough. Three's a challenge. And uh, so I just want to give you the three areas that Heather and I walk in. Uh, badly sometimes, particularly the evening slot. slot. It's been a busy day, like a conference. I reckon we'll show you the abbreviated evening version <laughs> so you no one gets... Um, no one thinks we're more holy than we are. Um, the breakfast. Let me, let's, let's talk about breakfast because we all like breakfast to start a day. I think the breakfast is all found in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 5 to, five to 8. Because um, Jesus talks about, uh, sorry, yeah, he talks about pray. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing on the street corners in the synagogues to be seen by men. And I tell you the truth. They've received their reward in full, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen in secret, and he will reward you. So there are just five very basic principles that have come up on this slide. I think the next slide in terms of the R's. Nice and easy to put in your notes, nice and easy to remember as well. Firstly, retire. Get away from distraction. First thing in the morning, just, just retire to a place where you can be quiet, where you haven't got a mobile phone to distract you, where you can just sit in quietness. With, I, I heard John Piper, I went to a John Piper conference, and it, it moved me to tears to hear him just describe my routine for the last 40 years is this, he says. Every morning the alarm clock gets off. I think it's five o'clock he gets out, so... You know, he's much more holy than... We get up at six every morning, Heather and I, but he gets up at five. He says, I go down, I put the, the coffee machine on, and I put on my same sweater. I put the same seat that's been sitting in all these years, and I take my coffee, and I open my Bible, and I say, morning, Jesus. I just thought, wow, wow. Just retiring. He had that same plot, same spot. No distractions. Secondly, read. I, I know that if you're anything like me, you think, well, how do I pray? I think the best way to pray is to pray scripture. The best way to pray, and I, I've taught a, a number of people this who I've discipled, is, is pray the Psalms. It's a wonderful way to just begin a prayer life. You know, God is my refuge and strength. God, you're my refuge and ever-present help. Lord, I need an ever-present help in day of trouble. And you just praying through a psalm, and you, and, and you just feel like, I've, I've prayed scripture, I've prayed the will of God, and I've, I'm feeling encouraged. So read scripture. Sometimes I, I think it helps to write it down. Sometimes it helps to memorize it. I, I don't know if that's a discipline. I, mean, I find it increasingly difficult, 61 years old, to memorize Scripture. I often have, a, have it written in my back pocket for a week just to memorize like three verses. But I feel that, that, that sword of the Spirit in my hand. So read. Thirdly, reflect. I think that 
it's not just reading it, it's then holding it up like a diamond, thinking about the original context, the original audience, the original people, what that would have meant, how they would have changed, what they would have been addressed by, thinking about our context, holding it up into the light, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through those scriptures and then to learn to pray those scriptures back to God, to respond fourthly, to pray it out. Your will be done. I love an expression. I heard someone else do this many years ago, and I, it's one of my prayers, I think, every morning when we pray together, Heather and I, be thou exalted. Again, it's a really easy way to learn to really do battle. Be thou exalted in my prayer. Be thou exalted in my wife, in my marriage. Be thou exalted with my kids. Be thou exalted with my giving. Be thou exalted in the way I love my neighbor. Be thou exalted. And it just, again, it takes the focus from us and it puts it on him. That our life is all about him and how he wants his will to be done and his kingdom to come. And then I, the final R is regurgitate. I, Heather and I, uh, uh, I don't think you've got, we've got them with us, but we journal. Um, I just think journal, journaling isn't for everybody, so I'm not making it a heavy thing, but for us, it really helps because we go back in our journals, the promises of God, the prophetic at this conference, we, we journal it. I actually usually draw it. I love doodling, and so I'll doodle Chris's picture, and I, I, just, I just enjoy doing it. It helps me to pray as I doodle. Um, Heather, Heather is much more recording, and her journals go on for pages. I don't know how she does it. So practically, just some practical things in terms of how I or we began. I, I, I mean, we, we, we will normally be in a zone, you know, from six o'clock. But practically, I always think, and if you're training and encouraging others, always start with a, a reachable goal. So sort of like course of an hour, I, I think you can, we can all do. And then if you, because of young, and every life stage is different. So if anybody's got young kids... <laughs> If you can grab five minutes in a day and pray, well done, well done. I remember Terry Virgo saying that. Someone said, how do you pray, Terry? Teach us how to pray. He said, if you've got young kids, he said, I used to pray on the train. That was the only place I got any quiet. And I just thought, oh, so releasing. That's so releasing. So, but to start with with a goal you can achieve, and then if you get to a stage of your life like Heather and I, you can have longer and uh, it's one of our delights to have that early morning time where we read scripture, read it to each other, and then we pray. And actually, I just want to say this. We intercede every day for you. We stand in that place and we pray for you, your churches, your kids, your families. We, it's a privilege to be in that place where we're calling out. So when we come together at prayer and fasting, we come together and hear news that, you know, Life Church has just launched a new site. I mean, we feel like we've been involved in it, even though we've done nothing. We feel, yeah, that's our fruit as well, because we've been praying, and it's our privilege. And as you get older, I pray that all of us who are getting into our 60s and 70s realize this is a huge privilege to stand with our brothers and sisters. Um, lunch, I'm going to do this really quickly because I want to have Heather back on her feet. But lunch is what could be called the prayer of recollection. And recollection is where you bring together, uh, you've prayed in the morning, you've had a morning, and then 
you bring together all the pieces of the jigsaw that all got fragmented and bring it back under the rule of Jesus Christ. Because you may have had a good morning, you may have had a really bad morning. And you're thinking, I was hoping for breakthrough here, I was hoping it's all gone to shreds. And you bring it all back under God and you allow God to just breathe his life back into you. I mean, Mark did that last night, didn't he? He said, breathe in, breathe out, a couple of times. Peter Schizero talks about learning how to breathe and to be still and know that God is God. And one of the two, two very, very practical things, it's quite hard to do. I do it at one o'clock, move away from what I'm doing and just go into a quiet place. And the first thing I do is that I kneel down and I breathe in and I breathe out. I become conscious of my breathing and I I, I, I pray sometimes the Matt Hosey, the Matt Hosey, Matt Redman thing, breathing in grace, breathing out praise. I become conscious. Or a very, very good thing to do, it's a very simple thing to do, is in your mind, think about the fruits of the Holy Spirit and think about a divine exchange taking place as you're breathing. I'm breathing in love, that God loves me. I'm breathing out my dislikes. I'm breathing in joy that is my heritage I'm breathing out the sorrow and the disappointments I'm breathing in peace I'm breathing out anxiety and that's an incredible way just going through in your mind the fruits of the Holy Spirit and their opposites breathe in kindness bring in breathing God's loving kindness breathe in his joy breathe in his gentleness and breathe out all the things that have fragmented and disappointed you in that morning and uh, the experts another five p's and as i said i'm going to hand over to heather so i'll just rattle through them uh oh no that they're everything that we've talked about that the lord's prayer is the other thing we do i do to mix it up I, i pray the lord's prayer and the five p's so that's enough on that one um i'm gonna hand to heather oh oh evening as well yeah evening examine Now, I'm going to give you the shortened version because I know the longer version is something that we might hit like once a week, once a month, where we talk and we pray about replaying, going through the day, what we've done, recalling the strong emotions, the highs and the lows, what were the best things, the worst things. The third thing is rejoicing, where we found God, we saw God's answer to prayer. Fourthly, repenting where things that didn't go right, where we might have said something or, or looked at something, sins of omission and commission, and then resolve, fifthly resolve, to seek fresh grace. Because there's new grace for every day, isn't there? Praise God, he doesn't say, well, you've ruined this day, so that's the whole week wiped out for you. And the shortened version, because we all like a shortened version, and we do this when we lay our heads on the bed, is where did I meet God today where did I meet God what was the most what was the thing I felt most close to God the the greatest answer to prayer the great greatest moment where I just knew that this was an answer to prayer and I was I was doing God's will where did I meet God and second question where did I miss God when that newspaper seller said what on earth's going wrong with our world and I chickened out where did I miss God and God, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry I chickened out. I, I was frightened. I, I'm sorry. And then knowing tomorrow, 
it's all reset. And we've got a good, good father. And he says, go again. This possibly feels a bit like a large wave rushing and pushing over you. But I hope in what we're saying, you're just picking up some different ideas and some different thoughts and different ways of doing things. We're just sharing our heart with you, things that we've found helpful that hopefully will encourage you because we want to know Jesus more. We want to be more intimate with the Father. And uh, I, I find I'm, uh, one of the reasons I like tag teaming in preaching and speaking as well is that I can be thinking while guys speaking of other things. And I remembered a lady that became a Christian when we were here in Bournemouth from a Jewish background, and she started attending our cell group, I think we called them back then. And uh, she never would pray out loud in the group. And I asked her about it one time, and she said to me, oh, I can't pray like you do, Heather. I just, I haven't got the words to pray like you do. And she was really discouraged about it. She said, to be honest, my praying is just, I just, all through the day, I visualize that Jesus is sitting in the room with me. And I just talk to him like a friend. And I said to her, I think that's absolutely wonderful. I think we should all be doing that an awful lot more. So, yeah, that relational side of things. And, and on that point, um, someone came to Jesus once, didn't they, and asked him, what are the most important commandments? And the first commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And I feel like when we're praying, we're expressing our love to God and he's expressing our love to us. But then the second part of that was loving others. And I think if our prayer is just all about us and God, we're missing a vital aspect of it, um, which is why we brought in that mission or edge to the title that we gave. Because our prayer life is meant to outwork in a life of overflow to others. So at this point, I would like to show the next slide, which I know some of you have heard me speak about this before. But if you're anything like me, you hear things and they impact you. And then you need to hear them again for them to impact you in a fresh way. And this life of overflow is something, even as I prepared for this, it's made me think again. No, there has to be a sense of God putting stuff in me to actually outwork and bless and love others. And this fountain is all about that. It's a supposedly Italian fountain. And as you look at it, you can see there must be some kind of pump from the bottom that pumps the water up through a tube in the middle of those tiers and then comes out of the top. And the water continually cascades down and then is recirculated and cascades down. And as we spend time with God and ask his Holy Spirit to fill us, there's a sense in which we want that Holy Spirit to outflow to these different tiers. So the first tier, I can't actually read it, it's small. The first tier is the relationship with the Holy Spirit. The next is our relationship with our family. It drips out or trickles out to them. The next tier is our communities. And the last tier is the world. William Barclay famously said, more people are brought into the church by the kindness of real Christian love than by all the theological arguments in the world. And just this summer, those of you in the UK and certainly those in Spain and Portugal know that the dryness of the summer brought these areas of drought and devastation. And I think sometimes as Christians, we can be so dry and so dusty that if people come to us, we don't even recognize that they are. And we just don't feel that we've got anything to outflow to them. 
And yet Jesus tells us he wants us to be salty. He wants us to be flavorsome and he wants us to bring living water to those around us. And I feel that this picture is, is really helpful because it's not necessarily saying that you've got to do something or say something extraordinary or bring somebody into a relationship with Jesus right there and then. It's saying that my life, by being filled with the Spirit, I can reach out and touch other people with the love and the kindness of Jesus, which builds a bridge for them, hopefully over time, to come to know God. It takes that pressure on us, off us that we've got to force people to become Christians. We've got to get the whole gospel across in every single conversation that we have. But actually, I can love somebody and be kind to somebody. I can draw them. Mother Teresa herself said, it's not the magnitude of our actions, but the amount of love we put into them that matters. And somebody else said, it's loving the person in front of you, which again needs a period of stopping and listening and waiting and being still and not hurrying every single place you go to. It's saying there's a person in front of me that this might be an opportunity to love them. I think it was Mark last night that talked about that in such a fun way. And we're not all like Mark. I don't have to be like Mark, I'm me. But I can love the person in front of me. And how do we do this? I think it can become a daily adventure, actually. At the end of the day, it might be, thank you, Lord, that I met that person and I was able to spill something of the love of God into their lives. So I'd encourage you, as you pray, to keep your ears and eyes open, to slow down and listen for his voice as you go about your daily business. And I just want to tell you one of our funny stories about somebody like that in London who we've met. So Guy has joined a community gardening group, which is right up his street, and he tends a bit of garden in Buckingham Gate, very close to Buckingham Palace, which is terribly posh. Um, he does it with a couple of other gentlemen who are also incredibly posh um, and wealthy. Um, but together they tend this garden. He does it on a Sunday morning from 7 till 10 before he then goes on to chapel or that's when we're in London. Well, one time a lady came up to him, an elderly lady, who said to him, oh, are you the gardener? And Guy said, yes, I am. <laughs> um, she said, oh, good, because I've got a rose in my little house that has come, it was a massive rose, actually, that had come off the wall, blown down in the wind, and could you come and put it back up? So Guy said, yes, I can do that. Uh, he came and talked to me, and we went round to this wonderful home in the centre of London. It was full of paintings and white carpets and gorgeous antique furniture. And Guy went out into the garden to put the rose back up. He came in with blood streaming down his head, dripping off his ears, going onto his collar. And I said, Guy, mind the carpet. Um, the rose had come off the wall as he was trying to put it. A, a thorn had got pierced, stuck in the middle of his head. So he thought, I'll carry on putting it back up with that thorn in my head, with the blood dripping down. Anyway... That was how we ministered to this lady in a kind way. And since then, I've built up quite a friendship with this lovely old lady. And she's come to Westminster Chapel three times now. She came to a healing service recently because she shared with me that she has been diagnosed again for a second time with cancer. And I said, well, why don't you come to our healing service? And she said, well, I'm not going forward to pray, be prayed for. And I said, no, that's fine. We can pray for you in, your, in, the, in the pew. 
and I prayed with her at the end of it. And the next time I went to London, I popped in to see how she was. And she said, before you say anything, Heather, I feel so much better since you prayed for me. She said, I haven't had a diagnosis, diagnosis whether anything's actually changed. But I just feel so much better in myself because of your prayers. So thank you. And again, I just think that is the life of overflow. She's not yet come through to salvation. She's heard the gospel. Uh, she's been prayed for, but she's been touched by the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're talking about at this moment in terms of your life of loving others as you spend time in prayer with Jesus. So just to conclude this in terms of as we spend time with our loving God uh, and we just feel his overflow to us, it's inevitable that when we go out, when people bump into us, we then spill over into them and want them to come into the joy of the intimacy we know. So it all goes back to the intimacy question of why we pray. It's not the duty and you've got to get all these disciplines. It's the delight in finding God. I love the, I love the text in John 4 when uh, the, the disciples have gone into a Samaritan village to get food. They've gone to McDonald's. <laughs> Their priorities are, uh, we're pretty hungry. And, and Jesus says, I'll hang out here at a well. Uh, and uh, it's midday. It's not the good time to meet people. So a lady who comes here has obviously got quite a history. Um, and this incredible conversation takes, a, a, it's an overflow conversation, isn't it? It's the conversation of, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew, if you knew you're standing right next to Niagara Falls, you, would, you wouldn't be looking for a cup of spiritual blessing. You wouldn't be fighting about religious mountaintops. You'd be asking me for living water. And of course, we know that Jesus reveals her sin uh, go call your husband, I have no husband. And, and, and then he just obviously explains who he is because she goes back into town saying, come see a man who's told me everything. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem to have done everything, but he, come see a man who's told me everything I've ever done. And the whole village turns out. And, and here's the thing, so, it's, it's that intimacy Jesus took, drew aside, Jesus then at a well, he overflows into another person's life. And then the disciples with their you know, McDonald's, cheeseburgers, all coming back. Hey, look what we've got. And then amazed at what Jesus has done with this woman who they would have very much regarded. Uh, I think Meg did it so well yesterday, but just very well as someone to be isolated, marginalized, looked down on, despised. He's elevated, elevated, elevated. And uh, the disciples are going, what's going on here? And what does Jesus say to them? This lovely thing in terms of linking prayer and mission. In John 4.35, he says, look, guys, don't say four more months and then the harvest. Look. The fields are white for harvest. I want you at the end of this session to look at our nation and Europe. And I want you to hear the Father say, look, the fields are white for harvest. It's not that we are going to work out an evangelistic strategy that's all new and relevant and everything else. 
we're going to be a people who are intimate with our God and who know how to pray and lay hold of God and then live this life of overflow that we love people into the kingdom. We, we express this love. And so I'd like us to finish by praying together. I don't, did I actually, I'm, I'm terrified I didn't ask for this slide, but Psalm 126, did I ask for that slide? And probably didn't, in which case I'm going to ask you to turn it up in your Bibles, in your NIV. This is my bad. I'd love us to read. I know that even with the NIV, there are older versions which I've got in front of me and newer versions, so it doesn't quite matter if we don't get it perfect. But I'd like you to stand, because we're going to pray. As we read together this psalm, let it become a prayer for our nation. Let it be a prayer for Portugal. Let it be a prayer for Spain, for India. Psalm 126. Are you ready? When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. Lord Jesus, may the fruit of this seminar be this psalm. Lord, may we who sow in tears reap with songs of joy. When we gather together, all of us at the Commission Festival in a year's time, may we be bringing with us sheaves, sheaf after sheaf of lives that have been transformed, people who have been saved, young children who have given their life to Jesus Christ. I know this nation, Lord, is in a terrible place. But Lord, we're looking with the eyes of faith and we're seeing field after field which is coming ripe and white for harvest. And we know, Lord, that we are the laborers. And so I pray that the love of God fill each and every uh, brother and sister in this room today and let us live an intimate life with you, a deeper intimacy that overflows, life, Lord, into a life of loving others into the kingdom. So I just pray, bless every single one. Bless our movement of churches. Bless your church in this nation, across Europe, across the world. May we see a season of reaping like we've only ever heard of in great revivals. Lord, bless us, we pray, for the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.